How's everyone doing this morning? Happy Easter, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, did anybody get a basket? No, no, Easter Bunny didn't come. Oh, sad, sad. I didn't either. Easter Bunny's slipping. Um, well, as you've seen in the video just now, so Jesus is king, right? I'm going to step outside of tradition, if you will. Hope that's okay with you. I am, I am not going to share the resurrection story. But I will ask, is there anybody here that does not know the resurrection story? Anybody? No? Okay. We're all good? Good. It's going to make what I'm going to preach today easier then. Um, you know, typically I would come up on Easter Sunday and I'll talk about, you know, maybe the new Easter outfits that people went and purchased or might talk about the Easter dinner that's being prepared right now at home, you know, that good old Easter ham. Anybody? Yeah? Okay, okay. Uh, I remember one year we thought, we said to ourselves, why has it got to be ham? I don't want ham. I want, maybe I want chicken. You know what I mean? Like maybe I want turkey for Easter. Um, I don't know that it really matters. But the point is, is that we all have our, our things and our plans that we will do sometimes during this, I don't like to call it a holiday, right? But, I mean, that is what it is, especially to uh, the secular world. It's just another holiday. But to us, it's supposed to be something different, right? It's supposed to be something that we, we take the opportunity to, to recognize, to remember, uh, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died and was buried and, and then rose again on our behalf, right? So I'm not going to walk through that story, but by no means, by no means is the story discounted. I understand the power. I understand the worth. I understand its importance. So that's why I asked if there was anybody here who did not know that story. But what I am going to do today, and, and for those of you that are looking for maybe a typical, I don't want to say typical, but just, you know, more of an Easter message. Pastor Jeff preached that message last week, and he nailed it, killed it, right? So you can go back to next week, you can go home, and you can watch the service from last week. But I really believe that when you leave today, I believe that you will have something of substance. I believe that you will be uh, spiritually satisfied. Because what I'm going to talk about today is I'm, I'm going to talk about not the resurrection per se, but I'm going to talk about a resurrected king. A resurrected king. We're still going to keep Jesus at the forefront and focus but we're not going to tell 
the story of him being put on the cross, buried, and then rising up. A resurrected king. We know that he died for our sins so we could live in relationship with him and the Father. Then he sent Holy Spirit here so that his kingdom could come and his will could be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's my message. In a nutshell, that's what I want to say to you today. But if you will give me the time, and I won't be before you long, I want to lay, and I want to discuss that out just a little bit more. We have a resurrected king as opposed to what? As opposed to a regular king. There's so much to that concept that I probably could preach a whole series and still need more time. But I'm going to take it all and compact it into about 30 minutes or less. So you're going to have to stick with me, okay? Because I'm just going to slide right on through. But let's look at the definition of a king. Just a king, okay? A king or the feminine version, queen, secular definition, a supreme ruler, sovereign over a nation or a territory of higher rank than any other secular ruler. Kingship, a worldwide phenomenon, is usually hereditary, meaning it's something that's been inherited, right? It may be absolute or constitutional and usually takes the form of a monarchy. The king has often stood as mediator between his people and their God. Or, as in ancient summer, as the God's representative. So that is, in secular terms, the meaning of what a king is. Let's look a little closer, right? So I want to pause just for one second. And I heard the teaching on a king or a kingdom a long time ago, and it was by a man by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe. If you're ever interested, go and check him out. Great book, great teaching. Because we here in the United States of America, we don't really have a complete understanding of a kingdom. We don't have the understanding of a king. I mean, even the British today, their queen does not look like it used to, you know, it doesn't look like it used to look back in the day, right? Like we vote on a thing. If we don't like it, we vote on it and the people say X, Y, and Z. But when there's a king, back in the day, there was a king, they ruled sovereign, meaning what they said went. Their people lived or died based on what 
they said. The people didn't eat. It was because the king didn't make uh, provision. If they ate well, it was because the king made provision, right? He could send food where he wanted to send and keep it from where he wanted to send it to. People worked for the king. So this is kind of what it would look like. The king would say, we're going to have this group of people work the fields. And the food from those fields is going to feed everyone. With the exception of maybe those people. Because we just don't have enough for those people. <laughs> and that would be it. That would be fine. Then he would put somebody over this section, somebody over that section, and he just chose, picked, and he chose who he wanted to be where, how he wanted it to happen, and it just happened. And everybody was okay with it, even if they weren't okay with it, because this is what a king was, sovereign rule. So let's look at what I'm talking to you about today, a resurrected king. First, we've established a king has all rule and reign over his kingdom. But we're talking about a resurrected king. So a resurrected king has all of that and rule over sin, death, and the grave. That changes things. That changes things just a little bit. Because while one king can rule people and tell them what to do and what not to do, death says, if this people work hard for me and then die, we're not done. We're going to keep going. This king has a decision that spans beyond what we see here today, a resurrected king. Hebrews 2 and 14 through 15, and it's not going to come up here, but it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as human being, I mean, for only as a human being, could be, could he die? And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Revelations chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and the grave. So let's continue. Two things I want to focus on and point out to you are the king and the kingdom. The kingdom is the place where the king reigns. And I know in the secular definition, a king reigns over territories, right? Nations. But a resurrected king 
reigns just a little bit differently. And we'll get to that. But first, I want to I want to take you on a small, just a quick little journey, okay? I'm going to bounce from Scripture to Scripture. And these first set of Scriptures, I'm not going to put up on there. You're just going to have to listen, and you can trust me, or you can follow along in your Bible app, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to spit them to you. You can write them down, or you can pull them up, but I promise it's all Bible, all right? I have some that I will repeat in a, in a little bit, and I'll have them pulled up, but these I'm not going to pull up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, and Luke chapter 11, verse 2, they say basically the same thing, and it's this. It's Jesus teaching the men how to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Stick with me. We're going somewhere. Then Jesus himself said this, but there was quite a few people that anybody from John the Baptist to his disciples, they would say things like in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Here we are again, and you hear words like, the kingdom is coming near. John the Baptist is preaching, and he's saying, the kingdom is near. Repent. Moving on to Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Heal the sick. This is Jesus. He said, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I promise, stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Then it changes up just slightly. In Luke chapter 23, verse 42, it changes up just ever so slightly, and it says this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So this is the man who was on the cross next to Jesus, right? The guy who actually did something wrong, and he looks over to Jesus recognizing who he was. recognizing there was something special, something significant. He heard something that Jesus had said. It stuck, and it caused him to look to him and say, remember me when you go into your kingdom. How about this one? Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I'm going to run that one back. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony of all nations, and then the end will come. Now, 
I understand that you're like, where is he going with this? But just let me see, are, are you with me? Okay. We're talking about a resurrected king and his kingdom. And so far, you have John the Baptist who, when Jesus was coming, said, the kingdom is coming near. The disciples, as they went about doing what they did, ministering, walking with Jesus, they would say to people, the kingdom is coming near. And then we get here, and it says, the kingdom will be preached. Let's continue. Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. How about this one? Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. I am completely excited at this point as I'm preparing this message because I see what I'm about to share with you right now. What are we talking about? A resurrected king and his kingdom, right? Now, before I continue, year in and year out, the story about Jesus Christ is told about how he died and how he resurrected with all power in his hands. But I ask you, what does that mean to you? What does that really mean to you? I know it's been preached, right, that sin doesn't matter now. Or we don't have to worry about death because we get to go live with him in eternity or we have the opportunity to. Or this opens up relationship between us and our father. These are all the lessons that you've learned. These are all the things that have been preached to you. These are all the things that some of you have taken a hold of and completely grasped. And some of you, it's just another story. But I want to say that there's more to either side. There's an understanding of a resurrected king and his kingdom. And that's what I want for you to walk away with today. I'm going to give you another educated definition. The Greek word for kingdom is basileia, which lies in the Aramaic term Malkut. This term Jesus would have probably used, Malkut. 
It refers primarily not to a geographical area or a realm like a regular king, right? Remember I told you the other definition? A king has a territory, a realm. Nor is it talking about people inhabiting a realm. So, the difference between a king and a resurrected king is what? A king rules over a place with people. A resurrected king does not. A resurrected king rules over more than just a place and a people. Stick with me. When this term is used in the Bible and it's talking about the kingdom, it's not talking about that. So we cannot look at the kingdom of God as that. The Israelites looked at the kingdom of God as that. So they had a hard time taking in Jesus Christ. Some of them were looking for Jesus to come and rule and to take control in his human form. But over and over and over, he told them, that's not why I'm here. That's not my purpose. And when that would happen, the people would become frustrated. How many times in your life has God tried to tell you, I'm here Let me lead you. And because he didn't lead you the way you wanted it to, you were frustrated and angry because you wanted him to do something for you that he had the capability to and the power to. But that's not what he came for. Jesus did not come to make us rich. He did not come to give us titles and positions of leadership. He did not come to put me on this stage just for the sake of me being on this stage. So, what is his kingdom? His kingdom is not a place with people, a realm. It's activity. His kingdom is activity. It is the activity of the king himself. All right? I know I've lost you, so I'm going to rewind. John the Baptist, again, said what? The kingdom is near. Now, I just told you 
that a resurrected king, his kingdom is his activity. So as Jesus approaches, as his time comes near, the people hear over and over and over what? Repent. The kingdom is near. Come on. <laughs> You're going to get it. It's okay. It's not a people. It's not a place. But rather it is the activity of the king himself. The difference between a king and a resurrected king is a king has power over people. A king has power over physical things that you and me can touch. A resurrected king has power over things beyond what we can see. A resurrected king has power over things that we should not even be able to to think about having power over. It's not where he is. It's not how much territory he has. It's what he's doing. His exercise of sovereign power not having sovereign power, but exercising sovereign power. The concept of a kingdom of God is not one space, territory, or politics. It's not about positions. We know the British kingdom, it's all about that, right? No, I'm not knocking the British kingdom. My wife, you know, the country she's from, they're all about it. You know, we drink tea and everything. But the, the truth of the fact of the matter is, is that today there's a queen. And for you and me, the queen means nothing. For them, the queen means, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know this is live and I don't want to be disrespectful. I just talked to you about showing honor. So the best way to say this is, is she's symbolic. She's symbolic. Or in other words, you know what I'm saying. Listen, the kingdom of God is a realm where God reigns supreme. Jesus Christ is king, and in the kingdom... God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. But it's not just about that. I'm not going to walk through, actually I am. Give me those scriptures that I have. Luke 10, verse 
verse 9. Luke 10, verse 9. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. The next one. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, right? On earth as it is in heaven. Luke 23, verse 42. It's not there? Okay. It says, this one right here, Luke 23, verse 42. It says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's the deal. This is what I'm getting at. Jesus lived among them. He walked with them, and some of them missed it. He died just like he said he would. Hear what I'm saying. He died just like he said he would, and some of them missed it. He came back to life as he said he would, and some of them still missed it. So what am I saying? Let's go to Luke chapter 17, verse 21. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Activity. The kingdom of heaven drew near to us when God himself came to earth as a man and lived. Are you following me? The kingdom of God came when Jesus came. It came near. So when John said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is what he was talking about. When you hear them say this repeatedly, this is what he was talking about. So what does that mean for us? He implied that the kingdom of heaven is now available today in the person of the king. Jesus was there with them, but then he died. He was buried, and he rose again. Even to the Jews, they seen him as just a king. But it wasn't until he died and rose again that he was a resurrected king. Therefore, showing every bit of, every ounce of, 
power that he held. And the moment that we recognize it, the moment that we see it, because right now we're all sitting here, and are we still missing it? Are we still missing it? I don't say that to, to make anybody feel stupid. I'm not telling you that. But if we understood it, I believe we would be doing some things differently. Today, we have the resurrected king. Then, where he was, let me just make it plain, where he was and what he was doing, there was the kingdom of heaven. Are you following me? Where he was and what he was doing, there was the kingdom of heaven. Now that he is not here on earth, it does not change the facts. Where he is, there is the kingdom of heaven. Somebody's getting it. So I'm asking you, where is he? We serve a resurrected king. A king that died, came back to life, and then went to sit on the right hand of the father. So there's only one way that his work is getting done. Number one. The rule of Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven happens because this is where he is in heaven and this is where he is in the person of the Holy Spirit. In heaven, he's there. On earth, he's here. Two, the blessing and advantages that flow from living under Christ's rule, which is a life lived with and through Holy Spirit. Just about two weeks ago, I preached that to you. What am I saying? Before I say that. Three, the subjects... His subjects of this kingdom or the church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit through which heaven comes to earth. We're talking about a resurrected king and his kingdom. And this is where I'm going to end. Our king is resurrected. He lives within us. So anywhere we are, 
doing his work is the kingdom of heaven. And the way his will is done on earth as it is in heaven is as if we allow him to reign, to have sovereign reign, that means to be active, to be moving, to be living, to be doing in our life. Otherwise, there is no kingdom. There is no will done here on earth as it is in heaven. So if there's ever any confusion as to why things don't look different, or if there's ever any confusion as to why God's not moving, it's because he does not have full reign, sovereign reign in our lives. He is not being able to be active, moving, and doing in the places that he wants to be active, doing, and moving. Because we, his subjects, are not recognizing his kingdom. I don't know. I feel like somebody got it. I know I understood it. I got excited about it. Because here's the deal. I know who my king is. I serve a resurrected king. I live with the expectation of things in my life, in the lives of the people around me, to be changed. And when it's not, I'm looking at me. I'm looking at me. That, friends, is your Easter message. Let's not just recognize that he died and rose again. Let's recognize what that means. Let's not, let's not be like those who missed it when he walked in their midst. Let's not be like those who missed it when he said, this is what's gonna happen, and then it did. Let's not be like those who Seen him die and then touched him just days later and missed it. Let's not be like every single one of the people in church today who are looking for a king. that's supposed to be operating through them. I'm going to pray. Lord God, I come into you right now, Father. I pray that your people 
hear your voice today. I pray that they hear the challenge that has been placed forth to go create disciples. Not just because the word says so, but because that is the way that you operate. That is the way you rule and reign in this place today. God, I pray that we would begin to Look at our lives. I pray, Father, that Romans 12 and 2 would begin to minister to us, that we would begin to, to, to let our minds be renewed through this word right here, that our minds would be renewed, that we would no longer conform to the world in the way they do things, looking for a physical move of the king, but that we would begin to operate the way your word expects us to operate, the way your word has shown us to operate via a resurrected king operating and reigning in our lives each and every day. God, you taught us how to pray, and we missed that. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your people would begin to recognize your reign. That first they would, they would make you king, lord over their lives. And then they would recognize your reign. That they would live as if you are the resurrected king of their life. We would do this. I pray right now in your son Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move, touch each and every person under the sound of my voice. Minister to them as they go today. Don't let the enemy come and steal this revelation. Don't let the enemy come and steal your word from them. With all heads bowed, if there's anybody here that has not recognized, didn't even know to recognize Jesus as their resurrected king, as their Lord and Savior, if you have not made the choice to submit your life to God, can I just ask you to raise your hand? I won't call you up. If you would just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. If you know that you've been living your life on your own, on your own accord, you've been, you've been saying that Jesus is ruling, but you're realizing maybe he wasn't. Maybe he has not actually been ruling. Maybe I've not been giving him the opportunity to move in my life, to operate through me. And you want that to change today. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All over the room, thank you so much. It's as simple as this. I promise it is as simple as this. Lord God, each one of them that raised their hand, myself included, and anybody else in here that truly felt it, 
And maybe they didn't raise their hand. Lord God, right now, Father, in this moment, we submit to you. We may not have known how. We may not have had a clear understanding. But God, we desire for you to be king over our lives, not just in word, but God in action. We desire for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. But Father, help us. Help us to know how. Help us to know when. Help us to know what, who. Give us all of these answers, Lord God. Show us, give us direction. And Lord God, as you do, I rebuke the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke your distractions. I rebuke your lies. I rebuke the power of persuasion that you have had over our lives. No more in the name of Jesus. No more. We will move. We will operate and we will go forward. Allowing the resurrected king to reign sovereign in our lives. God, I pray that you would begin to show them, show them clearly what you're doing so that they can be encouraged, so that they can be persuaded. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on this Easter 2022, Facebook and in the house. We love you. Go and enjoy your families and continue to remember that he is a resurrected king reigning in your life.